Once Upon a Time in America was released on June 1st, 1984 in North America, and at the theatrical release length of 2 hours and 19 minutes, the film was a flop. At an estimated budget of $30 million, it grows 2.4 opening weekend and barely doubled to 5.3 by the end of its box office run. However, Once Upon a Time in America is a modern classic epic from director Sergio Leone who brought us the Man With No Name trilogy and Once Upon a Time in the West, films that coined the term Spaghetti Western. The flop is a direct result of the modern film industry's dollar and cents approach rather than that of artistic integrity. The film produced up to 10 hours of footage, and Leone planned to release two three-hour-long movies, but producers refused the idea. It was further cut down to four hours and 29 minutes, but Leone was convinced again to shorten it to three hours and 49 minutes. This version was released at the Cannes Film Festival on May 20th, 1984. It was well-received, garnering a nearly 20-minute standing ovation after the screening, at a time when marathon applause was not yet a regular occurrence. The film was further cut to the American release time due to producers worrying about securing an R rating and the extended runtime. This decision left the film to be considered unintelligible and was panned by most critics. For example, Roger Ebert gave the uncut version 4 out of 4 stars and wrote that it was an epic poem of violence and greed, but described the American release as a travesty. His final film before his death in 1989, Leone intended this film to be the third in an American saga, much like The Man With No Name, known as the Once Upon a Time trilogy, starting with Once Upon a Time in the West and Duck You Sucker. The film considered to be the quintessential depiction of prohibition is among the likes of The Godfather and Goodfellas in regard to mob movies and can be found on most best-of-all-time movie lists. This movie follows the life of David Noodles Aronson as a young teenager, young man, and old man, and seamlessly weaves the years of 1918, 1930 through 1933, and 1968 together. He's a former Prohibition-era Jewish gangster that returns to the Lower East Side of Manhattan, where he must once again confront the ghosts and regrets of his old life. Directed by Sergio Leone, based on the book The Hoods by Harry Gray, the screenplay was written by... Leonardo Benvenuti, Piero Den Bernardi, Enrico Midioli, Franco Arcali, Franco Farini, and Sergio Leone. I hope. The film starred Robert De Niro, James Woods, Elizabeth McGovern, James Hayden, William Forsyth, Treat Williams, Tuesday Weld, Joe Pesci, Burt Young, Jennifer Conley, and numerous others. First impressions. I was really worried. It is a very long, long movie. So I'm very confused about the ending. A little bit confused. But all the way up until the ending, I was I was very in it. In um, fact, like time went really quickly. Yeah, I think leading into this, we were both worried about sitting through a three hour and 50 minute movie. There's not very many movies made these days that are that long, unless you're Peter Jackson. And he delivers a, a good amount of action to keep you awake. But mm -hmm. I would say that this movie, for the most part, didn't drag on. It didn't drag on. Uh, there was not a lot of fat in it at all. No, I think that each scene was intentional. You definitely can tell that it was cut down because there's certainly parts, and especially at the end, which is where I also started to get confused, mm -hmm. where you feel like... 
They're jumping to... I missed something. Like, yeah. Something... There's, I felt like there should have been a scene here because what they're talking about now doesn't fully make sense to me. And there has since been an extended cut release, which I think was an addition of like 22 minutes. So it puts it over the four-hour mark. But I, I would say the last 30 minutes, they completely lost me. Lost and and, yeah. and I think that maybe maybe I missed I missed like a key bit of information at one point. And, and that's why I was lost. A lot happens all at the end. But mm-hmm. that being said... To wrap said, up the end, yeah. It was extremely interesting. I think I can see why it's considered to be one of the, the best films of all time. It, it pops up on, on a lot of those lists. And we are fans of the Man With No Name trilogy. So Sergio Leone delivers for sure. I've seen Once Upon a Time in the West also. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't know. The only other one that would be in between those is Duck, You Sucker. Yeah, that's the name of the movie. Um, Never heard of it. The Probably the least well-known, at least to me. But apparently is the middle of the Once Upon a Time trilogy. So this would be the the end, but not in trilogy in the sense that they kind of trilogy in the sense that Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and At World's End is a trilogy. Right. Not like not like Star Wars trilogy. Okay. Okay. Not really connecting to each other. Mm -hmm. A little rapey for me. Oh, there was a little bit. You know what? The overall violence was really violent. It is. Yeah. Really like right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Just wait till we break down. But, and like at the end, yeah, it was a little violent. And then there's like a couple groping scenes too. It's like, there's definitely not, there's definitely more non consensual yeah, sex than consensual of, like, sex in this kids movie. Kids who have no parents or like parental supervision happening. That's because kids these days have it too easy. Maybe. But, anyways. Really, the story, especially in the beginning, was really detailed and well, like, well explained. And oh, the casting was amazing. Casting was good. The little kids to the grown up kids. I agree. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was. I feel like we also have to uh, point out that Joe Pesci is in about three minutes of the movie. <gasps> the reason that we created this podcast and chose the format that we did was to pick a, a star or an actor that we like yep. and use that star as a jumping off point to try and introduce ourselves to films we've never seen. Mm-hmm. This is a key example of that. Yeah. I, you know, who knows if we would have ever been like three hours and 50 minutes. Are you he fucking kidding me? Two scenes. And one scene, he's just like, what, like he's there and, then, and doesn't say anything. And it never gets brought up again. Also, one he's of the things gone. that confused me, like, why was he in that scene? What did that have to do with anything? Exactly. Like maybe we're missing something that was cut out from the film. I, yeah. I don't know. Let's take an even more in-depth look as we dive in to our third episode. <laughs> Yay. Number three. I'm Peter. I'm Shay. And you're, and you're listening, listening to, to Stellar, Stellar Alignment. Once upon a time in the Stellar studio, studio, we are breaking down Once Upon a Time America. Yes. Uh, episode three of Stellar Alignment today. This was a long movie. This was 
It was, but it didn't feel it like didn't a long feel movie. Long. You're right. Kudos mm -hmm. to everyone because they made a three hour and 50 minute movie not seem like it was three hour In and 50 fact, minutes. In fact, I wanted more. Let's take a deep dive. We're going to try to keep it brief. This is not going to be in proportion to the length of the movie, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> because the editor is going to hate me. Let's keep it as brief as possible. My very first note. I love this point. Okay. Yeah. Cool font. Yes. Um, that's not the point in your life. Um, so during the title and the intro, very cool font, there's no opening music. No music. It's just quiet. Mm -hmm. And then we start to hear some ambient sounds of right. like maybe a party in the distance and like heels walking up close. And in fact, it was super hard to find the it's movie. It's hard to find. You couldn't rent it or buy it on Amazon or anything. Mm -hmm. And we checked all the other usual Blockbuster's suspects. closed. Yep. We found Plex, which is yet another streaming service where it was offering the movie free with ads. Um <laughs> But as the movie started and there was no sound, I was like, oh, that's why it's free. There's, There's no, no sound. sound. <laughs> but it's, it was intentional. It was a very cool, actually, yes. cool effect. I thought that was it very drew, cool. It drew us in right away. Like, drew us in. What is happening? In the we, we wind up in a dark room. The first sound is of a young lady walking into the room realizing that there's no power in the room. She's trying a few lights mm -hmm. and then finally has to screw the light bulb which an intentional leads you to believe way. that somebody has purposely done this. Absolutely. So a lot of suspense, a lot of mystery mm -hmm. right away. And immediately she looks down and sees what looks like pebbles. You say cigarette burns. I think cigarette burns uh, in the, in possibly the blood. shape. Possibly blood, With little few, drips of blood. But then she pulls back all of the covers. And it's an outline of a body. Right. As if someone was really bored and just put a bunch of... Cigarette burns in the outline of body. And then we hear psh, broken glass, uh, a picture of Robert De Niro, who we mm -hmm. know his character's noodles, uh, being broken by a thug. Yes. And they are there looking for noodles. We're not sure why. No one says his name. There's a lot of mystery no. in the beginning. But we know that his name is Noodles. Yes. So we could They're either like, refer to him as he? Noodles or Robert De Niro the whole time. Yes. And Noodles is way cooler. Sorry, Bobby, but... That's an awesome I'm name. I'm gonna call him De Niro. Okay, well, to each his own. Yep. She doesn't know where where he is. Mm -mm. They said, we'll give you one last chance. She's like, I, I'm, I really oh, no. don't know. They shoot her immediately. And they shoot her immediately. Immediately. And you know immediately, this movie is, it's gonna be gory. It's gonna be, maybe not gory, but definitely violent. There was blood. There was blood. It wasn't super realistic. No. It's a, a color red that's obviously not blood. And I wonder, and we've seen this before in the Man With No Name trilogy, mm -hmm. the blood does not look realistic. And I think part of it could be... To get a specific rating. To get a lower rating. Interesting. I bet if you use blood that doesn't look real, the association gives you, you know, is a little more lenient, mm. possibly. Okay. Speculation, I have no idea if that's true or not. Yeah. Well, uh, this takes us to our second scene, and there's another interrogation. And, um, plenty more blood. Plenty more blood. A little more gore. In fact, this man has been beaten horribly. His mm -hmm. eye is swollen up. It looks like he has some sort of physical effect. Yeah. On his face, but like also weird colored blood. Weird colored blood. But <laughs> but the, it's the, very the bruising that they've done to his eyes looks really impressive. So mm -hmm. I, I think. 
kudos to the practical effects throughout the whole movie and Absolutely. we'll get we'll get to more of them but um very impressive they're asking this gentleman you know where, where is, is he? he and they mention they were your friends too you're yeah. gonna protect a rat so we're getting tidbits of information here mm -hmm. eventually he does give him up and says he's in a chinese theater well he gives him up just because they they basically make it known that they are going to kill him if he's at Chun Lo's Chinese theater, and they do let him live. So, to their credit, they shot the woman. They did not shoot him. They're Actually, men of their word. Uh, it's Chun Lo's. Actually, I, I know it's Chun Lo's because I I copied it off of the subtitles oh, off the no. TV. Yeah. I think I was just thinking of Street Fighter. Cut to Chinese theater, hmm. where we see De Niro finally, and he's laid up in an opium den. Mm -hmm. He's got a newspaper next to him, some sort of um, incident with these three dead men yes. and their pictures on the front page. We don't really know who they are at this point, but obviously we're being shown this newspaper for a reason. Yes. He takes a nice big fat rip and what, uh, what I think happens is slips into either an opium induced dream or he flashbacks to something. I'm thinking you more think flashback. flashback. I, I think maybe it's a could be a little bit of both, but it's hard to tell because the movie's just started. We know that the movie mm -hmm. flashbacks a lot as we move on, so it could be flashbacks, but who really sure. knows at this point? There's a very cool transition, though, because uh, there's a jarring phone ringing happening. It mm. jars him awake, he smokes it to kind of like relax, and then we see and hear this phone ringing throughout these flashbacks. I think I looked this up. It's a total of 24 times that the phone rings and it goes on for like five minutes. Wow. And you don't realize while you're watching the film, but it, it's just ringing and ringing. You don't really know why. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's even a part where it rings and you see a hand going to pick up a phone and it does, but then it continues to ring and it turns out that that's the phone that's actually being used to call someone. Call out. Right. And also, we have to mention that during this whole flashback, we see Noodles on a street, and we see him viewing dead bodies. Yes. So there's been some sort of incident or car crash. There's a car on fire. Mm. There are dead bodies laying, being on laid out. And there's police everywhere. There's a photographer about to take a picture. And these dead bodies are getting labeled. Yeah. He's just on the sidelines at this point. Just hanging out. Just hanging out. We see some of the faces of the dead bodies. Two, two of, them. of them are two of the men. Two of on the men that are in the, the newspaper. newspaper. The other one is so badly burned. You can't make. You, you can't recognize. Every, and that's another really good practical effect. That yes. is just the the burnt body looks so realistic. So real. It looks like a skeleton with like meat that's been built up on it yep. instead of someone wearing like makeup. Yeah. It was very, very it was good. very cool. Very good. And it's, like this it. whole sequence, I, I noted here, is taking, it's amazing opening, taking us along on a mysterious journey with quick glimpses into the past. Mm -hmm. And I, I noted, I'm hooked in already. The opening of the film pulls you right in. It does. It yeah. does. And it doesn't answer any questions. It's giving us information. And Slowly. with very little dialogue, too. This is the work of a, a very good filmmaker mm -hmm. that's not just vomiting exposition at you he's just showing you what's happening mm -hmm. and, and he leads it up to the audience to be smart enough to make connections yes. here it, it was really exciting um and i was a little shocked by the violence 
just yes, a just a little bit. <laughs> just... Well, and there's a little bit more violence or gratuity mm-hmm. in the next scene because mm-hmm. the gentleman doing the interrogation show up at the theater. Yeah. And right now they are looking the front side of the theater, just in the audience, which is made up of like a random collection of people. There's mostly Chinese people, but then he goes and he like looks at every single white guy. Yep. You know, obviously he's looking for De Niro in right. the audience. Yep. He does interrupt this guy making out with a girl in the back and he he kind of like the guy like puffs up like, "Hey, what are you doing?" <laughs> and and the guy's, you know, the mobster has a gun and he points the gun at the guy, right? Yeah, all up in his face. And the guy the guy gets a little intimidated, but mm-hmm. he intimidates him even more by then pointing the gun down at his woman's fully expressed boob. Yep. Like the camera's just fully it's a right boob shot. There. Boob shot. Boob shot. Nipple. And then he starts gun like to nipple tweaking play, tweaking as the if nipple like with the he's gun. Like do something, yeah. you're not gonna do it. Exactly. And this is the beginning of a whole film of sexually explicit material. Yes. Yeah. It, it only escalates from here. Yes. I know that the film had to be cut down from possibly an X or something higher, and they had to cut it to get it down to an R so they could show it in you know, regular theaters. The good news is, is that the attendants back in the opium den mm-hmm. are, are, must be own. friendly with noodles, and... They get him out the back door. Yep. Because they know that someone's there looking for him, and he takes off. He's looking in through this window, and it's a restaurant, totally vacant. He goes around to the corner to the back. Obviously, he knows the place, and he's going to go in. Mm. He presses this really large, like, freight elevator yeah. to come down. He's and looking he up. He kind of looks up, up the shaft to see it coming down, and that's kind of the last thing that we see of mm-hmm. him. And then it cuts to the, the second interrogation. interrogation, which we we had no idea where it was, but now mm-hmm. we realize like, oh, this is where that was happening. Exactly, because we hear the elevator working. Yeah, and it's gonna go right up to this office. And so does the the thug that sticks around with the guy that they beat. That poor beat up man right. who we later on find out is Fat Mo. Is the owner of this of establishment? This saloon. He's waiting for someone to get off the the elevator, and the next thing we see is just a, a bullet come out yeah. the front of his Headshot. face. Headshot. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Again, another good effect, great. but again, very fake looking blood. Yes, that's this is true. But it doesn't ruin it for you. No, it's uh, shocking. Yeah. But in a good way. Like, of course, he's going to shoot him. It's almost, why are you stalling? Just shoot him. It's almost yeah. better because a shot like that, there wouldn't have been so much blood. You know, it kind of, and there's a lot of Tarantino-esque things because we know Tarantino is a huge Sergio Leone fan. He, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is obviously an homage to Sergio Leone's films. He has these epics just like Sergio Leone's. A Kill Bill would be a good example for this because there's tons of blood in Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. But the difference there is the blood looks real because, you know, he 20, 20, 30 years later. There's a lot later. of stylization, yeah. too. Um, but I think in 1984, you use the fake blood and you get to do a you lot of gory things. stuff. We were surprised as an audience, so it was very... Very well done. We didn't realize that he was sneaking around the back. We kind of thought he was up to something, but had no idea. It, it just very, makes so much sense. Why? Yeah. yeah, it makes so much sense. And honestly, like, we're already like 20 or so minutes into the movie. <laughs> and there has been very little dialogue other than the interrogation. So little. Super cool. 
Noodles, De Niro knows mm -hmm. Fat Joe. He's like, what do you need? Do you need money? I'm going to call Eve. And we, we put two and two together. That Eve is the woman that's shot in the yeah. beginning. Fat Mo tells him, don't. They already, they, went, they there. already went there. Ben goes to a grandfather clock. Hmm. It takes a secret key. Says, I'm going to take the key. Mm -hmm. Fat Mo is like, it's all yours anyway. You're the last one left. Hmm. He heads to a train station, and I have uh, love the movie trope of the train station locker. <laughs> it's used so many times, and it's amazing. I wish I, wish, I had one. Yeah, I wish I had a train station Forever. locker to keep a go bag in, or maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, like because I have that laying why around. Why don't people check those? How long can you rent a train station locker? Indefinitely. For? I guess so. Yeah. That's crazy. Or at least that you can in movies. There's a suitcase in there. He pulls the suitcase out, opens it, and we get a behind-the-suitcase shot looking at his face where he's just looking down on it. So there you, you have another Tarantino uh, homage in Pulp Fiction with the suitcase. Of course, there you have this gold light shining ah. out of it. He goes back, looks in the locker, nothing there. As if he left something. And we, so obviously he didn't find what he needed. Right. We cut back to the side of them and we see that the suitcase is just full of newspapers. newspapers. Buys a, a one-way ticket to Buffalo, mm -hmm. unfortunately, and I was wondering why he didn't why he didn't go out of state or Canada. He decided to go to Buffalo. That's fine. He said the first bus out of there. Yeah, that Buffalo. The first bus. He, um, <laughs> what? If you're gonna lay low, my Buffalo. It's there's so much snow. Anywhere else? I guess. So. Anyways. Heads over to this, this little bar station concession the stand. There's um, this beautiful mural on the, on the wall, wall of, about of Coney, Coney Island. Island. It pans in on the wall, mm -hmm. right? There's this like little mirror. He's suddenly years older, just fixing his suit, his scarf. It pans it out. Pans out. It's the same station, different mural. Right. It's a. Uh, Yesterday by the Beatles is playing. Yesterday, is, uh, which I love how they've shown. Obviously, his aging in the face shows us that time has passed, but then they have also signified as like, it's the 60s, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Specifically 1968. The mirror on the wall is of the green apple, the, the love logo for the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Future old De Niro is yes, so I, good. I had that too. <laughs> Because you got to figure, like he's aged thirty-five years we for know the movie. Old De Niro, and now. this movie was uh, almost forty years. It's almost forty years old, mm -hmm. so that's roughly about the same amount of time. And you see him moving around as an old man. He's all hunched over, like De Niro now is. Yeah, it moves a little, moves a little slower, kind of shuffles more, more than walks. Gentle. And, yeah. It's he does such a good old him. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, it was really funny <laughs> to see that. He, Heads by a cemetery a that's cemetery being that's being dug demolished. up. We don't know um, much. We don't now, know what's happening here. His next stop is a phone booth. We see a bartender from the outside view. He answers the phone. There's a silent exchange with like a customer where Has, he basically leave. Yeah. kicks out the customer, locks up for the night, right. goes back to the phone, and realizes that De Niro's he, outside. He, yeah, turns and looks outside and sees De Niro on the phone. De Niro goes to a side door, mm -hmm. lets him in. It's Fat Joe. It's Fat Joe. He 35 is, years later. He is ecstatic to see him. Yeah. Noodles not so much, though. Noodles doesn't trust him now. You can tell when, when he opens the door and walks in, uh, Fat Mo's, like, he, he kind of makes the motion to go hug him, 
And Noodles just hands him a key. He said, I brought your key back. As if he's waiting for a reaction. You can tell like that he doesn't he trust him. He had the key the whole time. There's nothing in the briefcase 30, 35 years ago. He's suspicious. He's suspicious. He's wondering if Mo, if Mo knew, uh, if Mo took the money himself or if he, you know, was part of something else. I do want to note mm. here that this is the first time that we identify Robert De Niro at all. As noodles. As noodles. Yeah. There is so little dialogue up until this point. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. It is cool. Noodles is taking a look around and he realizes that that Mo didn't steal any of the money. He even says that he had to sell his house and that he's, he's living in the bar. Mm -hmm. Noodles relaxes, realizes that Fat Mo's not the one that betrayed him. They also have a conversation about the cemetery. Asked him about a letter that he received letting him know that, that they were tearing down the cemetery and if you had loved ones there that you should relocate that you're dead or else they're just going to get demolished, I guess. But there's also a lot of suspicion around the timing. So De Niro figured out everyone received this letter eight months ago. He only received them a, a like, few, maybe a, few a couple weeks, weeks ago. ago. So, and, and it was sent to his address in Buffalo, which no one should know. It was sent to his new name, which I think was Bill Roberts. No, no one should know where or who he his was. His fake name. So his he's curious. identity, yeah. And that's why he came back to New York. He figures if someone knows that I'm living in Buffalo, then they can, they can get me here. Mm -hmm. And so he, he goes back to New York to find out what's going on. Yes. He considers it an invitation. Yeah. Back. Right. And he's a little curious. I mean, he's getting old. Mm -hmm. Nothing much has changed. He has a little nostalgic moment. Sees a picture on the walls, wall. Yeah. Like them as kids. He sees this young woman asks, on the wall. Asks uh, Mo how she's doing. And we find out that that's Mo's sister. Mm -hmm. and, and he she's says a that she's a big time star. Actress. Fat Mo decides, like, hey, you're, you're tired. I'll let you get some rest. And as he's leaving the room, he says, what have you been up to all these years? And Noodles says, I've been going to bed early. So like keeping his head down. Keeping his head down, staying out of trouble. Staying out of trouble. Just trying to survive and, and not be... Low profile, just being a normal discovered. person. Discovered, yeah. Mm -hmm. But Noodles doesn't go to bed. He goes out into the other room and goes into a bathroom mm -hmm. and gets up on the toilet <laughs> and then removes a little panel from the wall and he peeks through it out into this other room. Another very cool transition. Every time that they did a time transition from one era to another, they did something very smooth like this. We mm -hmm. see him looking through, some music starts to play, and when it cuts and to catch him from the front side, mm -hmm. we see a younger set of eyes. We also see through the hole, which and is a young girl just practicing her dance dancing. lessons. This is young noodles looking at young Deborah. Fatmo's sister, sister, the one that he asked about in the picture. Mm -hmm. She knows that he's there. Yes. It's she's not a, a peephole. A it's like a, it's a, a huge ass brick. It's a brick shaped hole in the wall. So, <laughs> you can see yeah. half his face. <laughs> she keeps like, kind of looking over. He doesn't realize that she actually knows he's there. Oh. She's coyly changing and she pulls down everything. Yep. And mind you, that this is Jennifer Connelly, this is her first role. And these are supposed to be young adults, kids, I think. Kids, teens. So she's full naked on the back. Yeah. And the first thing I said, there's I was like, a, she is too young. There's even a bit of side boob. 
not Jennifer Connelly. It is not. You got to get that right out there. Uh, body double. I I looked this up because I'm like, okay. what? The yeah, because she's too young. That's fully illegal. Yeah, body double, not uh, what I think was 11 year old Jennifer Connelly okay, when this God. movie was shot. She finishes getting dressed and leaves. And he wants to follow her. So he steps outside. Three friends run up to Noodles, Noodles, uh, Bugsy's got a job for us. We find out eventually that these are his friends, Dominic, Patsy, and Cockeye. Mm -hmm. The job, I guess, is to what I thought was piss on newspapers. So apparently some (laughs) newspaper vendor didn't pay Mm-hmm. Um, didn't pay Probably like Bugsy. a protection thing or yeah, something. Yeah, some sort of yeah. squeeze. It looks like they're pissing on like his newspapers, and I was like, ha, that's funny and harmless. Pulls back a little bit, and they have these little canisters of probably kerosene or gasoline or something. And then they gasoline. each throw a, a match on it, and it fucking... It's a newsstand. It goes up immediately. So fast. It's full of paper and wood. Yeah. Um, it's like a little thing. light arson. Destroy the whole newsstand. That's a whole family's livelihood, most likely. Bugsy gave him a choice. Hmm. So they could either take the dollar. Three of them want to do that, but Noodles doesn't want to. He doesn't want to take the dollar because Noodles is smart. This is how we learn that Noodles is kind of the, the head of the gang mm. a little bit, and he's also the smart one because mm. instead of taking the dollar, he knows... No, I don't need this dollar. Give me an opportunity to try and steal more from somebody else. They go to roll a drunk, which I, I think is just mug and mug rob. Mug a drunk. A drunk. So they get help from the bartender. They kick out a drunk, mm-hmm. and they kind of choose which one, one yeah. who looks wealthy, like nice dead. And looks drunk enough watch. that they could easily jump him. Exactly. Yeah. They head down the street a little bit to try and uh, wait for this guy, but they pick a spot where just across the street, a cop shows up that they refer Farface. to as Farface. With they them. want to bail. No, they want to bail. Again, it's Noodles. is like, no, no, no. There's a cart down the road. It's coming up. It's going to block him. We're good. Just as it rolls up, they notice a young, another young man about the same age as Noodles, mm-hmm. but driving the cart. He sees them. They see him. And the next thing we know is as the drunk does walk just behind the cart, the kid stops the cart, he jumps off, and he grabs the drunk and says, Oh my goodness, you're drunker than... Uh, something, something. He's like, end. let me take you home. And picks him up and puts him on the cart. And he rides off with, with, with their, their drunk. With their target. It's like he knew what they were up to. Saw an opportunity himself. Exactly. Which I think so. is was the, the film's way of saying like, Hey, here's Noodles' match. Maybe this is foreshadowing right. someone who can compete with Noodles. They lose out on their opportunity with the drunk. And they didn't the, even the friend, get the dollar. The friends are mad because they didn't even get the dollar. Mm-hmm. So they all head home. And we, we realize that it looks like they all live in the same apartment building together. Which probably makes sense if they are all They're friends. They're all friends living Lower East Side, Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Noodles heads into one of the bathrooms and sits down on the can. And then he hears a voice of a young woman, checks through the peephole. And sees her coming, and I thought he locked the door, but then she opens it, and he actually he unlocked, unlocked the door. <laughs> so she would walk in on so him. So that she would catch him with his pants down. And then he just spreads his legs open and is like, you like what you see? This kid is like 14. The bathroom scene, accurate to the time of what young boys would probably do to get lucky. Show you mine, show me yours. But looking's never enough, right? Yeah, When yeah. you're that age, like, and and she walks in and closes it, and she's like, it's all right, or something like that. Yeah, right? I've seen a few. What have you seen? None. And he's, and he's like, well, show me yours. And she does. 
And he like can't help himself. He goes over and he starts like groping her, and she's like, "Whoa, no!" One hand down her shirt. Yeah, no, no touchy, just lucky or something. Yeah, like that. or something. She kind of offers this bargain: if you bring me like it's a like dessert some with like cream pastry or some, something, some sort of really nice dessert. That's her going rate, I guess. I don't know. You can have whatever you want. The next thing we see is the the kid that was on the cart. Looks like he's moving into the same yeah, apartment. Yeah, the same building. Moving in from the Bronx, he says. We find out that his name is Max. Noodles is like, hey, what the hell? You rolled our drunk. Max kind of flashes the pocket watch of the drunk in Noodles' face. It's like, yeah, look what I got. You didn't get it. And they kind of have some words, but then Fartface fart face shows, shows up. up again. Where did you get this? And they're like, it's mine. And he said, prove it. Like, since when do you have to prove that something belongs to you? Well, Max is like, no, it's mine. I, I gave it to him. He's like, who who are you to him? He's like, he's my uncle. Says Noodles is his uncle. <laughs> Except Noodles looks like he, he might be a, a year or so younger than yep. Max. The cop ends up just walking off of the watch. Clear definition of a crooked cop. Um, it's 1918. But... You know, like, it was dog eat dog, I guess. You have... Crooked cops. It's just the way it is. But at the same time, it kind of brought the boys together. True. Like almost immediately after that. They bonded after uh, over this and Noodles ends up helping him move into the, the house. Yeah. The next thing we see is their buddy Patsy buying a pastry. <laughs> Patsy buys a pastry. Maybe somebody told him what the going rate was. He got wind, <laughs> he got wind that this uh, young lady uh, has a going rate. Heads over to her place. Knocks Pat on her door. Patsy's like... 11 or something he's, he's adorable young. and small he goes there she's she's taking a bath so he waits in the hall with the pastry and he can't help himself and i even noticed like which base urge wins first hunger or sex he's too young and likes the whipped cream too much he ends I, up eating the, he the ate the whole thing i also had to know a hundred dollars like hundred dollars the kid eats it before he gets yeah. some <laughs> just not he's not there yet he patsy sees the cop follow that same young hussy up onto the roof. Noodles grabs Max, who has a camera, mm -hmm. and they go up, and it turns out that this is the cop, the same car, cop, fart face, mm -hmm. and he's banging, he's this, banging minor. this minor on, on the roof, the one that, you know, has sex for pastry. <laughs> and they get a picture of him, and they basically blackmail him. You're gonna let look the other way. You're gonna let things slide the way you do for Bugsy. For Bugsy, and for you're gonna give game. us you're gonna give us that pocket watch back, and, and you're, you're gonna pay for our round right our, here our, with this our girl. Our round with this girl, <laughs> and and Noodles says oh, it's my first time, and a lousy cop is paying for it. It's funny because Noodles is like tough talking this cop, and Noodles is like maybe fourteen. Yeah, you think maybe, and it just made me think is like it kind of makes sense. It's 1918. You know, kids that age are out on the streets and they're trying to, you know, survive. It's, it's very different now. It's yeah, and the thing is, is like that's progress, right? Is just a hundred years later, you look at young generations now and as being soft. soft or entitled, and it's like this is what this is what progress has created. You know, like we don't live in situations like this anymore. No, where at fourteen years old, you're doing laundry up on the roof. And you're also meeting with a crooked cop and he's it's, banging you. It's amazing how much progress just in the last hundred years has happened, you know, because this movie takes place between 1918 and up to the 1930s. And we're kind of smack dab in the middle of that yet a hundred years later. And 
that was prohibition. Like literally prohibition was a hundred years ago, you know? And then like, it's so crazy to think that we're now talking into a computer that we're going to send out into basically space so people can listen to it. Yeah. And these kids are like, you know, scrapping on the streets just so they can get a nickel. We have a scene with noodles and Deborah. Deborah. Jennifer Conley, the girl from the beginning. The the girl that we can tell noodles is pining for. Yes. There's a different sort of category like he's created in his head for his like love of Deborah Mm. and then like other women and like sex. Yeah. Like, already as this little kid. He mm. has a category, so she's a little special. It's the Sabbath that day, yeah. um, and everyone else goes to worship, but she has to stay back and watch the restaurant. So yes, she she said that she's going to pray there, and he stays back. He's with her, and they just have... A nice moment. She yeah. um, likes to recite Song of Songs. A little rendition of her own. And I wrote it down. Um, he will always be lovable, but he was he will always be a two-bit punk. And so will never be my beloved. What a shame. Kind of get the impression that she likes him. That's why she puts up with a lot of things. I think it's only because she recognizes that he's smart, but she knows that he won't walk away from the streets. Mm -hmm. He won't be more than a criminal. Yeah, just a two-bit punk, right? Maybe they could have something together, Mm -hmm. but he won't. He leans in and they do have, they, do have they a share kiss, a kiss. Which is very sweet. But Deborah sees someone in Noodles' people in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And it turns out to be Max. Yeah. Well, Noodles chases after the person, but the person leaves, heads out in the alley, hears Max yelling for him. Mm-hmm. And she's like, go ahead and go be with your boyfriend. Again, like if he just said no to, to the street life... You could have yeah. the girl. We see this pattern a couple times. He's choosing between like her and the special relationship he could possibly have. Financial or, success, basically. Or, yeah, the streets and Max in particular. Max and Noodles share an outlook on life, and they're both smart. Um, unlike the other, the rest of the gang, the, the rest of the kids are, are great, but they don't have the same brains that Max and Noodles have. Mm-mm. So they, they respect yeah. each other for Max that. Max and Noodles, very, like, yeah, they have a very unique relationship. He heads out to the alley. When everyone is gone, out of their shops and stuff, is prime opportunity, and he's choosing to be with the girl, and Max does not approve. Yeah. Like, this is their relationship. That doesn't really matter, because... What happens next is Bugsy and about five of his buddies roll up, and Bugsy's like a a young adult, an old teenager, or maybe like twenty, twenty-two years old. He's early twenties. Yeah. He is not a kid so like these boys. They're basically men. They find out that they have this new arrangement with with Fartface, and Bugsy doesn't like that much because these guys are supposed to be working for Bugsy. Yep. And they the, beat the ever-loving shit out of them. So violent. So violent. They, shockingly they violent. Uh, brass knuckles, and they, like, choke them out with chains. They, like... At the end of it, Noodles heads back to go back into the restaurant, and Deborah's locked the door. And he's calling out for her, and she's just, she's just right there on the other side of the door listening to him. But she cares for him, but she has to protect herself. Yeah. She's yeah. made boundaries immediately. Yeah. She's smart. She's smart. That's the thing is she's just as smart as he is. Mm -hmm. Smarter, maybe. She deserves better. Yeah, she does. Mm -hmm. He takes his smarts, him and the gang. They meet up with 
some f looks like for real gangsters like, a, a, like adult gangsters uh, got this idea for an invention and a lot of them don't even want to listen to him but yeah. there's one guy who's like let's just let him talk let's hear what they got mm -hmm. and they basically have this tiny little prototype of, it's so genius yeah because when they're boot when they're bringing in the bootleg booze in the a real uh, invention by the by the river they sometimes the cops come Stop after them. them have to ditch their stuff so Young Noodles has an invention. Comes up with an invention, which is, is a salt buoy. It is a delayed flotation device. Yeah. So there is a little bubble, mm -hmm. like a little air balloon flotation, connected to the crate of booze, booze, and then weighted down with a bunch of salt. And eventually when the salt dissolves, it floats up to the top. By the time the cops are gone... It'll float to the top, and they can safely retrieve their booze. Genius! Gen Obviously, these guys like it, because the next scene we see the boys, they're all in fresh duds. They yeah. are looking sharp. They did yep. really good this time. And the five of them, they head to a train, train station. station. And here's where we kind of see the first connection to the beginning of the movie. Max, Noodles, Cockeye, Patsy, and Dominic, all there with a suitcase. They put some money in there, and then they make a pact. They say, from now on, we all put 50% of Whatever all of our earnings are. in here, and we only uh, take money out when all of us together, mm -hmm. and we give the key to, to Fats, Fats, to Fat Mo. Fat Mo doesn't give it to anyone individually. And just gives just it to all of us. we're all there together. They're riding pretty high. They're kind of walking through the city, you know, happy as they can be because... Yeah, these are young kids, and they probably have never had so much money in their life. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't last long, because little Dominic is the youngest. You can tell he's the youngest, and he's he's like half the size of all of them. Mm -hmm. He's running ahead, and he rounds a corner, and there's Bugsy. And he runs around, and he heads back. He's like, Bugsy's coming, Bugsy's coming. And they all kind of run and scatter to hide. And, and Dominic's he's just too slow. He's too small. And Bugsy's got a gun. He fires, shoots him in the back. Noodles uh, drags him out of the street mm -hmm. while uh, Bugsy still comes closer, yeah. like kind of hiding, trying to rolls still him over. Have and little Thomas, he looks up. He's like, "Noodles, I slipped." So sad. <laughs> oh no! Dominic dies. Yep. Bugsy's kind of peeking around, looking for the rest of them, and he sees Patsy. He's almost got him, but just at that moment, Noodles jumps him, and he's got a knife, and he he stabs, stabs him a, a bunch, bunch of times. Of times. The gunshots themselves attracted some cops. Yep. And a cop tries to break up the stabbing. And this noodles turns around and stabs, stabs him a couple times. <laughs> he's arrested. He's going to the penitentiary. And it's like through this, he's in this little cart. And it's going through these big black doors. Mm. And the four friends of his, three of his gang now, and then... Fat Mo's as well. They're kind of there, there. kind they're of just waving him, waving him goodbye. Waving him goodbye. From here, we transition to back to 1968. Modern times, old De Niro. We see these large black doors, and we realize that this is a, a giant, giant mausoleum. mausoleum. He asks to be let in to like a groundskeeper, and mm -hmm. he asks if he's family, and he says, uh, "I'm an uncle." which is a reference to when him and Max first became friends. Mm -hmm. He lets him into the place, and it is a beautiful mausoleum. It is a huge mausoleum. There are three, 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 three caskets graves. in there. And um, he, he goes in, closes the door, and we see a plaque on the wall and says, Mausoleum's dedicated 
from David Noodles Aronson. Yeah, so he's very confused. Also hanging from this plaque is a small key that looks identical to the train Train locker locker key. key. Which is odd because he had the key for the last 35 years. Exactly. Which means that there must have been been a a copy. There must have been two. And that's why the money was gone. And you do see on the caskets that it's cockeye. Mm-hmm. Patsy. And it's Patsy. And it's Max. And it's Max. Yep. How they got moved there, we, we don't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery to him. He takes the key, mm. goes back to the train station <laughs> again. Yes. And Guess what's in there now. he opens a locker. Same one. Other view of just the back of the case and him looking into it. And this time... We see a side shot and it is full of money. Full of cash. One of the, the stacks is wrapped with a band that says advance payment for your next job. Whatever that means. Whatever the He's F that also means. confused. Like, he knows that someone knows who he's pretending to be and where he was living, which yeah. he thinks is unsafe. Yeah. But he also is wondering, like, if they know where I am, why haven't they killed me? Why have I come why back here? Why did they wait this So he's long? not really sure. But he takes the case, obviously, because it's full of cash. Mm-hmm. And he leaves. And on his way out, he's a little paranoid because he's walking around with a case full of cash. Mm-hmm. He also is just probably thinking, like, is someone watching me to see, to catch me in the act and then kill me? Exactly. And then, like, he just hears stuff. He's outside. And it's dark. 1968 it's New York. And it's dangerous. He hears footsteps and he kind of starts to run. Because he's a little spooked. Mm-hmm. And There's then a weird... super awesome transition here because <laughs> what it actually is is some young people playing Frisbee. And we see this Frisbee kind of fly over Robert De Niro's head. And then it cuts to the back of... Somebody grabbing the, the suitcase. The back of the suitcase and someone grabbing it. Hand. But it is actually a transition back to 1930. And it's young Max played by james woods and robert de niro young robert de niro taking taking the uh, case out of noodle's hand as he just walks out of jail picks him up in a hearse he says it's a good cover it's on the side of the hearse why go on living when we can bury you for 49.50 which i thought was kind of funny did you notice that i didn't notice that yeah. that's pretty funny that opens the door to the back of the hearse and max has got a stiff back there yeah young a young beautiful, girl very 26. sad He's like, we just picked up a fresh stiff. He pulls down the blanket. She's completely nude. Super nude. Here we go with more gratuitous nudity. Yeah. Turns out she's alive. Yeah. She like wakes up. She's a hooker. (laughs) She pulls uh, Pulls noodles in. Into the the back of the truck. He has like a celebration lay in the back of a hearse. I mean, that's a good friend. You know what? That's a pretty good friend. If I if I ever went away to prison, I would expect nothing. Of course, less. babe. I'll get you. I'll get you a good hooker. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. It takes him back to Fat Mo's. Yes. And Fat Mo's. Fat Mo's has changed a little bit. It is banging. Because is Fats bad. is now in charge of Fat Mo's, not his father mm-hmm. anymore. Regular Mo. The gang also has a little establishment in the back. They got a speakeasy back there. They are impeccably dressed, so we can tell that they're doing well. We see Patsy, played by James Hayden. We see Cockeye, played by William Forsyth. They're happy to see him. They have they have a a glass together. Yeah. Which they, which they pour out of the radiator. They have a little tap that's little hidden tap that's hidden in the radiator. In the radiator. Which is a nice Trey touch. Booth. Very cute. Great casting. Mm. The little kids to the adult characters yeah. are so good. He sees another person that he recognizes sitting at the bar, <gasps> also, Deborah. 
And she's very well cast as well. She Also, the only thing alarming, very sultry low voice. and sultry voice. I know. Was you was not expecting During that. the movie, you were like, whoa. <laughs> All right. You catch up a little bit. Yeah. And, and, then... and I even have on here, he has a chance again. Already, Deborah is happy, it was happy, to, see happy to see him. She, she heard that connection. he was there and, and she wanted to say hi. Mm -hmm. But Max is calling noodles again into the other room. And it's a choice between Deborah and Max. Who is I, he gonna I say he had his chance again to walk away with Deborah or go back to the life of crime. He can't help himself. I think he's choosing himself over choosing her. I don't think he thinks that he can be good. Okay, he's, like he can't live up to it? He's scared that he wouldn't be able to to live up to it, to be what she knows that he can be. And she knows that he can. Because he's smart. Right. Going to the streets is easy. Going he, with her is hard. Yeah. Max is calling him away because they've got a, a friend that they, they want Noodles to meet. It's Joe Pesci! It's an hour and 48 <laughs> minutes into the film, and we've got a Pesci sighting. Finally, it's Joe Pesci. <laughs> it's Joe Pesci. The fact that Pesci is in this made Let us make us the decision here. to watch it and even though he's only in this scene and only one other scene super happy that i watched this movie uh, me too it's a movie that i've heard about for years and just you look at three hours and 50 minutes and you're like oh, god i really don't know but yeah. he, worth it it was worth it this movie was amazing his character does not have super memorable lines no, no memorable lines, but I do... He commands attention. I do like his portrayal. We get a lot of tough guy mobster from Pesci, that yes. obviously that we see in Goodfellas and Casino, but we don't get this kind of boss-like, restrained, restrained mobster that Reserved. we like. We get with... Minaldi. Minaldi. Mr. Minaldi. Or Frankie. Frankie. Who likes his friends people that, and people that he I respect respects. and my friends call me Frankie. They walk in, the first thing he says to them is like the four horsemen of the apocalypse mm -hmm. to the gang. He's there to introduce the gang to a man named Joe from Michigan. Yep, who's a fucking slob. He's a super big slob. Animal gross hands in his food. He's eating the whole time, telling a story, grease on his face. I think that they want us to know that he's a, a shit person. Um, and we, we find right out away. pretty quickly that he's a shit person. He's there because he wants the gang to do a job for him. Frankie, Joe Pesci's character, respects him. You don't need to know you about the things he does. About, you don't know how... He'll be doing a lot of things in the future. You then. don't know, need to know how yeah. he got here or what he's going to go and do in the future. Very so, vague, misleading, but... This is the introduction we get to Joe. And Joe uh, basically wants the guys to steal some diamonds. He heard about these diamonds being moved. To, they're in transit right now, being kept at this place and he, that he knows of. And he wants the guys to go take care of it. He says it's uh, kids' work. Kids' work. And Noodles says, well, why aren't you having kids do it? And Joe Pesci says, well, excuse me, Noodles. It's so reserved yeah. in such a, a reserved What he means nature. by kids' work is that it's easy articulate no disrespect there's a weird a weird lull in the conversation and then that's when joe pesci is like hey tell him about the the pussy insurance or the insurance pussy what is that uh, that's tell him a story about you how you found out about the job and basically joe tells him about 
this his insurance broker who sold him every type of insurance from house to wife to life and he told his broker you know the only insurance you don't have is cock insurance and his broker says well i can do it you just have to prove to me that you're in good health and joe says all right well let me have a run at her i guess there was a girl there with him let me have a run at her the broker's and, wife is it his wife i'm not even sure but and then she'll she'll let you know if I'm in good health or not. And while they're doing it, she is the one that apparently divulges this whole plan to move the diamonds. And that's how he finds out about the diamonds mm -hmm. being moved. And she's apparently going to be at the heist because she works there. And the one thing he said to the gang is to make sure that you take care of that girl. Make sure you don't you don't hurt that girl. Yeah, be careful with be the girl. Be careful with the girl. They take care of this heist. They show up, they've got masks over their face, they beat up a bunch of guys. Uh, the woman's there, mm -hmm. and Noodles is, is the one, you know, with the gun in her face. And at one point she says, hit me, like whispers it to Make her. it look good. You gotta make it look good. I, I, know you're, I, know, I know who you are. Noodles hits her a couple times, and then he takes her in the other room. And then he bangs her. And then he rapes her. No, he rapes yeah, her. Yeah, he rapes her. Very unexpected. I'm not exactly sure where it came from. I think as the movie goes on, we we realize why the rape scene was necessary because this character does come up again. Yeah. But it's very jarring. It is a little. And this is again it's, it where seems out of place. Obscenity of the movie mm -hmm. continues to escalate. So clearly he's not a good guy, even though he's the protagonist and we've been kind of rooting for him this whole time, figuring out this mystery, but he's a gangster. He kills people. He rapes people. He's not a good he's person. He's not a good person. Because here's the thing is, we've seen him kill in self-defense for Bugsy. We know that he, he's willing to probably kill for money and that's just business, right? Sure. Which is definitely not okay, but uh, passable. There's no situation where rape's okay. No. Right? So, like, they're trying to let us know, like, hey, we know that you like noodles, but he's not a good guy. He a little is. bit of foreshadowing because of something else that might happen later in the movie. Mm. They take off with the diamonds. There's a ton of them. A ton of diamonds. They go to meet up with Joe and a few of his associates. To do a handoff. Patsy goes up and hands off the diamonds. They mm. give Patsy a, a fat roll of, of money and then the other guys roll up in the car and they shoot them. Shoot them all up. Everybody shoots and Patsy shoots two people before he runs away and yeah. they open fire on the car. And you can tell in the moment that Noodles did not know this was happening. He had no idea that they were going to rip rip off Joe. Mm -hmm. Or kill him. Ask, yeah, ask Max and Max is like, yeah, Frankie, Joe Pesci's character uh, asked us to do it. You know, it was, it, it was part of the deal was, the whole time. And he didn't tell Noodles because he didn't think Noodles was going to yeah. go for it. Because uh, he, he just a... got out of freaking jail. Yeah. Max tells him, you know, this is this is a good opportunity for us to to work with Frankie because he's be he's really in. he's really high up. Action. You know, he's part of I guess a syndicate, mm -hmm. and he sees this as a good opportunity. But that's not what Noodles sees. He says, uh, "Today they asked us to get rid of Joe." Tomorrow they ask me to get rid of you. Is that okay with you? Because that's not okay with me. Max I, is very ambitious. Yeah. And I don't very think... Very ambitious. I and think, he lets it go immediately, which is a little suspect. I think Noodles is smart and Noodles wants to to do well and and he wants to, to live well. But I don't think he's ambitious like... 
like Max's. Like Max's. And the next thing I say you is you, you want to go swimming. And yeah. then uh, Noodles drives the car off off the dock into the off river. Off the dock! <laughs> just just like that. <laughs> and it sinks you know? into the river. And then as it as the next thing we see is a car uh, burnt, right? And all of a sudden we're back in 1968 again. Exactly. Cool transition. Yeah, another cool, another transition. cool transition. We see Noodles at the restaurant with Fat Mo. Mm -hmm. Fat Mo, you know, says, why don't you just take the money and get out of here? So he knows that he's he found the money. His uh, excuse is he's curious. Can't blame Ooh, him. Who would have tracked me down? The TV's playing in the background and there's a news story about some sort of scandal with the U.S. Secretary of Commerce. Mm -hmm. uh, Secretary, Secretary Bailey. Bailey. And it was weird because Mo asked him, like, do you know him? And I'm not sure why he asked if he knew him. Mm -hmm. like, it's like, no, I don't know him. And then they flash another guy on the screen. And he's like, but I know this guy. He was some sort of teamster leader. O'Donnell was a teamster leader. Mm -hmm. And it cuts from him back to a younger version of him being doused in gasoline yep, and being tortured back in 1930s. By some two-bit two thugs. Two-bit thugs, I guess, or, or three-bit thugs, I'm not sure. And they want him to sign some sort of contract. Mm -hmm. He's not... He's not willing because he doesn't want to bend his morals. Yeah. He's fighting he's, for he's his a, He's people. one of the good guys. Yeah. What'd they call him? Clean Hands O'Donnell. Clean Hands O'Donnell. Uh, they're about to set him on fire. Screeching wheels, you hear a car pulling up. And it's the gang. They come in to rescue O'Donnell. Mm -hmm. And they have someone at gunpoint. Yeah. It is their boss. Their boss. Those three-bit thugs. And they're like, let's do trade for trade. Mm-hmm. We give you your boss. You give us this, this guy. guy. They take him. They take off. Yep. Right? Easy peasy. We helped you out. We saved your life. Mm -hmm. So help us out. Yes. They not help us out. They were sent by some politicians that he didn't want to get into bed with in the first place. This was the point of the movie where I started to slowly get confused in certain points from this point on for the rest of the movie. And either I missed something or there was scenes that they had to cut. I felt like... I was able to follow along better before this part of the movie. Mm. Mm -hmm. So the chief of police, he is barraged by reporters. They're um, asking him basically about what's happening with the negotiations between the union and their bosses, why they have police have moved in, why they're letting scabs work now. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, they're just, let's call them unemployed or new workers, that sort of thing. But what he's really ecstatic about is his newborn son. It's a newborn son. After having four girls, he finally has a son. And the next thing we know is he's heading off to the, the hospital, but mm -hmm. before he's able to meet his son, four suspicious looking doctors <laughs> roll into the maternity ward. And, yeah, into and the And they're nursery. doing something with, with the babies. Something shady. I think back then that they did this, they, they just put like a, a number on the baby and that's how they told them apart. And I think what they did was they went and swapped all the numbers around <laughs> and basically mixed all the babies yeah. up. Chief of police kind of deserves it because he's, yeah, he's a real a dick. Pig. He, he goes in to see his Not wife. Not pig as in cop. Pig as in like misogynist asshole. She's, you know, just given birth and his four daughters are there. And he says hi to them and gives them all a kiss. But then he asks his wife if he saw his son's... Pecker? Yeah. And she's she's like, 
not in front of the girls. And he's like, they better get used to it. After me, he's the next He's the next man of the house. Or nurse comes in with his son, and he goes to hold his son. He's just so happy that he's got a boy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he feels something. And, oh, he's, I'll change it. He's my son. And sets the baby down and undoes the diaper. Unswaddled. And there yeah. is no penis there. It is a girl. Yeah. And Somebody's he freaks switched. out, too. He freaks out. Like, what is this? Where's my Where's son? Where's my son? And coincidentally, at that moment, the phone rings. And it's Noodles on the phone. Yeah. Giving him the lowdown. It almost seems like he tries to be civil and, like, talks it out. And then, like, just starts barking orders when this guy can't be calmed down. Get rid of the cops. Get rid of the scabs. Let the union work it out with their bosses. And then we'll let you know which baby is yours. Which baby is yours. But... Turns out the gang had a list, and they lost the list. They lost the list. So they don't know which baby is, is his. So they just so come, they up, they just with come up with a number, and he gets probably some random person's oh baby. Gosh, Everyone so probably funny. got someone's random person's yep. baby. Who knows how many they switched? They switched all of them. They want... Why? Why? They only needed to switch one. I feel like, yeah, that's true. They had to switch two babies with each other. That's it. definitely alluded to the fact that they switched all the babies. And they laughed about it like they were fate. They were giving some kids good good lives and then some babies bad lives. Not good people. And they're laughing about this whole thing and the the back room Mm -hmm. of the speakeasy. Ah, Cockeye sees through a peephole. And there's this this blonde that walks in that he recognizes. Hmm. The woman from the robbery. It is. And the uh, that De Niro raped. They, they, I guess. They have her called back to the office and said, uh, these guys back here said that they know you. She goes back and she says, I don't know them. They put masks over their face and she says, oh, I recognize you. Right? She's not freaking out. And then she says... I do know one of you better than the rest, though. Which one are you? And then they all whip, whip out their, their dick dicks and they're like, out. let's see how good your memory is. And then she like goes by each and one, fondles hand- them each a one. little, and then stops at James Woods like, and it was like, you. it was you, right? It wasn't. But then, then she continues to slow down with like Start James making Wood. out with him, and then she and, starts groping. <laughs> Robert De Niro's so joint, and then it's like, let's have a threesome. She also learned that she was married, but she does it with several guys at once while her own husband watches, watches through yeah. people. Robert De Niro like, says, I'm, I've got a date. I got a date. He's Look wearing a tux. Dressed up as, yeah. It turns out his date is with, with Deborah. Finally. He whisks her away. Mm-hmm. Off to a restaurant by the ocean, which apparently is closed for the season, but it he is. has opened just for them. It is this huge romantic gesture. Uh, the entire waitstaff is there. Every table's set so she can pick the one that she wants. There's a band playing. Are you dancing? And he says, are you asking? She says, I'm asking. And he says, I'm dancing. They have a discussion about... They talk about a lot. They get they, they get pretty serious. She talks about... Uh, that he was always special. She felt like she needed to do something with her life because she was also ambitious. He talks about his time in prison, too, and he mentions, you know, the two things that he kept remembering when he was in there was with, with Dominic. And he says, I, I slipped right, right after Bugsy shot him. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing was her. She says that I never cared about anyone like I did you but I need to get where I'm going. 
because she's got high hopes. Noodles compares her to Max in that scene, that point. He's like, you're just like Max. That's probably why the two of you hate each other. It's like, you've got, both of you are so ambitious. He tells her, nobody can love you like I loved you. But unfortunately, has bad news. She tells him that she's moving to Hollywood tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> she went on the date with him so she could tell him and so they could have this time together, basically. He doesn't take it well at all. You can see he's visibly upset and she kind of tries to comfort him a little bit. Yeah, they cut to, well, they're in the, they're in the limousine driving back and he's activity. just got this, fa this look on his face like his whole world has just been destroyed. She kind of tries to comfort him and they end up kissing a little bit and then it starts to turn bad, bad and rough and we see Noodles rape somebody again. Yes, but not just anyone. The, the, the woman, woman that he's he been cares about the most. In who, love with this yeah. whole time. Almost like he... And she She's... Unlike Carol, she is not There's no mixed signals even here. slightly into it at all. Yeah. It was kind of long too and, and very uncomfortable to watch. And it like it makes that's what I said about the scene with Carol earlier, where it's like they're letting us know that Noodles is not a good guy and mm -hmm. it it feels like maybe they're giving us a heads up. You think this is bad, just wait. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's so awful. awful and that... it's awful because he was someone she cared, like she cared about, and he cared about. He did put her on a pedestal a little bit, and then suddenly he's he just couldn't have her, so he just decided, "Well, to I'm gonna, take I'm gonna take take something from from you before you go." It's so it's bad good. that the the driver finally pulls over, mm -hmm. opens the back door, and and at that point, you know, Noodles kind of comes his, of his senses, or... but like he gets out, and then he's like, "Oh, Deborah, Deborah," and she's like, "Get away from me!" Yeah, you know. Noodles tries to offer the driver money to like, take care of her, and the driver's like doesn't even doesn't take the take tip. It, He's like walks away, totally gets in the car, and then drives off. A note here says more rape? Question mark exclamation point. And he doesn't actually care for anyone but himself. I, I think at least at this part, he, I think he like you said you had he had her up on a pedestal but As i don't like something he wanted to earn and right then it's just like didn't get a chance it's just to... like what he's earned on the streets he can't manage that type of emotional connection i think like a psychopath yeah maybe the next day he, literally tomorrow he catches up with on her she's on the train they see each other. She pulls down the shade in her window. Yeah, this is her, like, you're, there's no redemption. Yeah. And then there's an intermission. And we come back from the intermission, and we get Noodles arriving at the back office of the speakeasy where the, where the gang is. Fat mm -hmm. Mo's there, too. And apparently some time has passed. Yeah, but we're not really sure. We're not but sure exactly what's happening. Time has passed. <laughs> they sits down on the couch, asks Mo for some coffee, and... Mm -hmm. No one says anything. And then stirs his coffee for a good minute, and that's Nothing. all you can hear it's is It's like everyone spoon. is just waiting on someone to break the ice, and no one's doing it. Does everybody know? Like, this is what I was thinking. That he attacked her. Yeah. I have uh, the most dramatic coffee stir ever on film. Also, Carol is in the room now, too. Carol's now in the room. And Max gives Noodles a payment, says that they had a job, 
that they did and, and gave him his cut. Hawkeye said he he went to look for him and found him in the opium den. Just but he gone. didn't even recognize him. Called him Deborah. Max kind of picks on him, says you're off, you know, with your girlfriend. And Noodles is like, well, what the hell is she doing here? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, this is a weird and then, spot, too. Yeah, because then James Wood's like, I don't care about her. What, do you want her to leave? He's, and he's like, I'll tell her to leave. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And then he got this like... Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! Get the fuck out of here! With James Woods just, oh yeah, God. just going insane. Like, crazy on her. He says, don't say I never had a way with women. Yeah. And then everybody laughs. They just kind of chuckle. Like- we get a phone call from O'Donnell. He's a little worried. He calls him, says that he, he might need a little protection at their next rally. Mm-hmm. So he asks the guys if they might be able to help. And in that moment, a car rolls up. There's a drive-by shooting. And they start to shoot him. And he just barely gets away, but takes a couple in the leg. Mm-hmm. They have some sort of retaliation. The gang, the four of them, shoot up basically their opposition, kill all the flunkies, and spare the boss. Yes. They go to meet him in the hospital to to make sure he's okay. Well, Donald knows that the, they've got his back, even though he, he tries to stay clean. Mm-hmm. Sharky, on the other hand, doesn't seem like he's very clean. Mm-hmm. But in this moment, there's talk out there that Prohibition's coming to an end. Yeah. And this Sharky guy has a proposition for the gang. He says, what are you guys going to do? You can't keep dealing in, in illegal booze because it's not going to be illegal soon. Mm-hmm. And he propositions some sort of truck fleet kind yeah. of thing that all the stuff that they've been running booze all he with. needs to do is reach out to the union leader who who can't say no you just saved his life max sees opportunity he wants mm-hmm. to go for it noodles doesn't really he doesn't see it max tells him you like the you like the stink of the streets or something you'll never noodles, be better than the streets or well, something noodles says uh, i like the stink of the streets it makes me feel good and i like the smell of it it opens up my lungs it gives me a hard on he wants to, he's going to take a quick R&R. He's going he's gonna to go yen at the seashore mm-hmm. down south in Florida. Gets on one elevator, and he gets off just in the elevator next to him. Max gets off. And he's yes. like, hey, 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 I'll go with you to Florida. Take a yen together. at the seashore together. I feel just like we missed a scene here, too. I also feel like we missed a scene or two because as they walk out, who do we see walk in? Joe Pesci! But Joe Pesci. He has We've no been lines. Waiting for him. No lines. He walks in. He kind of half turns so we we can recognize yes. that it's him. Yes. And then that's it. He must be going up to to Talk see to Sharky. Sharky. Joe Pesci's there. Yeah. He's still in communication with James Woods. Right. Why else would he know to go there? A lot of things are happening, and 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 it's not spelt out, so we just have to speculate a little bit. Right. And I assume there were other scenes that were cut. Possibly, or we we missed something. Next, we see a beautiful hotel in Florida. We see Carol there with Max, and we see the woman that is shot at the very beginning of the movie mm-hmm. with noodles. Yes. We know to be Eve. He's obviously found someone to replace Deborah, at least uh, in a physical sense. She's the one that walks up with a newspaper. It says, Volstead Act repealed. Prohibition's over. Noodles says to Max, so what next? And Max is drawing in the sand, and he draws a little flag that says FR on it. He wants to rob the Federal Reserve? Yes. He's insane. Pretty tough. Yeah. Unless, I mean, your la- unless your last name's Gruber, you better not even think about it. Noodles doesn't want to do it. In fact, he says, you're crazy. 
Max fucking Max loses it. Freaks out at that. Kind of out of nowhere. It it was it's super jarring. It's like mm-hmm. we get another taste of James Woods, like, don't you ever fucking call me insane again. He doesn't freak out a lot, but right. when he does It's intense. It's intense. Yeah. We're not really sure where it comes from. But then that's just kind of the end of it. Max goes off, he walks along the shoreline for a little bit. Then the next thing we know is we're back in New York. Federal Reserve is still on the mind, apparently. Carol decides to have a chat with Noodles. Just one-on-one, her and him. Because she's worried about Max, and she's worried that he's not going to let this Federal Reserve thing go, and she knows it's not going to work out for them. She's calling it a suicide mission. Mm -hmm. She's feeding him this idea that if they were just all behind bars, he couldn't rob the Federal Reserve. He'd let it go. That he would let it go. That if you guys did a couple years, you would just be like mellowed out after that. I would think that if I went away to jail for a year or two, that I would would want to even more when I got out. That's neither here nor there. She puts this idea in Noodle's head that, you know, maybe maybe you, you, you know, drop a dime on yourselves, mm-hmm. some sort of small crime. Next scene from there is celebrating the, the end, end of Prohibition by giving Fat Moe's speakeasy a send-off. A lot of booze party. that they got to get rid of. They're going to sell off the rest of their stuff. Do another pickup. Mm-hmm. Right? A just normal, like, like normal job. Just one last job, you know, before I retire sort of situation we see noodles head into the office Mm -hmm. next to the speakeasy and he locks the door and he locks the door very out of character and he goes and picks up the phone this is maybe the scene that we saw in the beginning yeah when he was uh, having that little uh opium flashback during the phone ringing we also know from the beginning when he was running from the guys that are chasing him when he went to fat mo's there was the remnants of a party inside we're at the point where we think we're about to tie up loose ends Mm -hmm. if he makes a phone call it rings a while person on the other line says police department or something like that Mm -hmm. and it takes him a moment before he actually gets it out the the guy on the other is like hello anyone there i got a good tip for you i got a good tip for you and we don't actually hear the conversation after that what we see is is max try to open the door but it's locked knocks on it noodles lets him in What's up with you? You're drinking like a fish out there. What's trying to tell I'm Noodles? Trying to Maybe talk you him out go. of going to this last. And what does Noodles round. say? He says, "Where you go, I go." Yeah, Max brings up the Federal Reserve again. Noodles, he says he's crazy Noodles, again. Noodles forgets and calls him crazy, and this time Max oh. bangs him on the back of the head a couple times. Yeah, knocks him out. Is and, it intentional? I think it's I intentional. Think it's intentional. I think the whole thing is intentional. And we know why it's intentional. We're getting to this. Yeah. We jump to 68 from this part mm-hmm. where now Noodles is at a retirement home. And he's with Carol. Carol. An old Carol. And this is this is very jarring too because I don't remember a good transition here. And all of a sudden it's just like, oh, now he's meeting with Carol in 1968. And she's again. She's cool. Could be some scenes that got cut here mm-hmm. that should have been left in. She's talking about Max and letting him know that Max's father died in an insane asylum. Yes. So this is where the freaking out over being called crazy apparently comes from. I think Nudes is also wondering what she's doing there and, and about this retirement home. Mm-hmm. And she lets him know that it's run by a benefactor, Secretary of Commerce Bailey. Connection there. The same one that he saw in the, in the news. With the scandal. They passed this old picture. He does a double take. There's an actress, according to Carol, 
who basically pays for this whole place. Right. And the actress, if you look at it in the is picture, Deborah. is Deborah. Tracks, down tracks her Deborah, down. Who looks the same age. <laughs> yeah. Didn't do such a great job on aging her because the actress, Elizabeth McGovern, is like 22. Apparently, she has been living with the Secretary of Commerce. They're lovers. Lovers have been for some time. He had married Rich, mm -hmm. and his wife died in childbirth. Made wealthy on the West Coast. I'm not sure when this happens, because this is either something we missed, or it wasn't actually spoken about mm -hmm. in the movie. But he, at some point, is invited to a party at the secretary's home. At the home, secretary's house. Like, that night. Mm -hmm. She tells him, don't, go to, don't the go to this party. Someone knocks at the front door. Yes. And it is a young man. You can hear by his voice. And his voice. It and she says, no, no, don't come in. She's very quick to say, don't come in. Turns out it's Secretary Bailey's son. Right. That he had with his first wife. Deborah, again, another opportunity to give Noodles a chance to make one decision or another. Yes. And she says, mm -hmm. go out this back door. You don't want to see what's, what's on Just the other leave. side of this door. And Noodles, he needs to know. He's curious. So he heads out the front door. He sees the Bailey's son. son, who is the spitting image of a young Max. He's, in fact, it's the exact same the actor. Exact same actor. With, but like with red, red hair. hair. Yeah. Obviously, Secretary Bailey is Max. Gone and assumed. Did name. not die. We also know that the there was a dead body in, with the three bodies that was unidentifiable. Mm -hmm. He's the one that purchased the mausoleum and put it in Noodles' name, mm -hmm. left him the key left him the money in the locker and says, mm -hmm. here's a down payment for your next job. They invited him to this... This ball. Noodles goes. Because he's curious. He meets with the secretary and it is obviously... He wants to see it. It's fucking James Woods. Obviously Max. <laughs> but the entire time, Noodles continues to refer to him as secretary, secretary and Bailey. Mr. Bailey. He refuses to recognize him as Max. Max totally is like, I'm the one that betrayed you. I I had Carol manipulate you into calling the cops. This was my entire plan. I stole your life. Yeah. Now that he's in too deep, he's going to he's be had killed. An assassination attempt. Once. But he would only really accept it from noodles. Noodles. So this the is what the money, person. the down payment is to kill. To Max. kill him. But noodles doesn't want to do it. He says, um, you know, my friend Max died 35 years ago. He just continues to refer to him as Mr. Bailey. He doesn't want to help him out by killing him. It would be a waste of a life if something that he built like this, mm. you know, were to just be gone. We see a bit of a change, obviously, in the 35 years of living alone and living kind of a just a ordinary life but is it torture in itself like not giving him an easy way out i think so i think he he figures like you don't you don't deserve me killing you and he's also you know that's also not who noodles is anymore mm -hmm. either maybe he just doesn't want to think that max his friend his partner in crime betrayed him and like refuses to acknowledge there's like a lot of feelings that i have about this ending <laughs> It's, like it's maybe he can't just there, accept yeah. it, and he, it, it, that's why he continues to call him Secretary Bailey because he's just like you're not my friend. That friend is dead to me. That's the reality that he's lived his entire life since. Yes, Lo like thinking longer that than he, he was he'd responsible been... for that death too. Mm -hmm. Like his friends 
he thought it was his fault. Yeah, that he he ratted them out. The cops showed up and they were killed by the cops. But the really, cops turned out to be in on it. Max yeah. divulges all of it. The cops were in on it. It was a syndicate, syndicate job. In on it. Yeah. Honestly, if Noodles didn't get away when he did, he also would have been killed. Max would have had him killed. Yeah, but Max knocks him out though, and he also tells him not to go. He. So yes. I think he tries to save him. I don't think I don't think he intended to have Noodles be killed. He saves Noodles by knocking him out. Like he didn't really care that much about Patsy and Kakai, but he cared about Noodles because they had that general respect for each other mm-hmm. because they both that felt that different. they were each smart. Yeah, he leaves. He, he goes leaves. out the back door. He goes out the back door. Heads out onto the street. The next thing that we see is kind of weird. Okay. Big ass Mack truck out out front. Mm-hmm. Garbage truck looking thing. And it starts up at one point. It starts to slowly drive away. James Wood. And then asked, you see actually, Max walk out. Yeah. Walking towards. Along with. As also. the Mack truck pulls up. And then the Mack truck pulls by Max. And then as it pulls past where he would have been, Max is gone. And mm-hmm. in that time, you hear this auger fire up in the back of the dump truck. And as it rolls by noodles he looks in the back and you just see the auger turning of course you don't see blood you or don't anything see like that. blood or anything but There's my no... question is does max jump onto the truck or does he jump into the auger i don't think he's dead i think he means to disappear i think that's the point of him going he was there truck passes and he's gone why the, and, why the auger though is it is it meant to just leave kind of an unanswered question for the audience maybe maybe to signify the death of this life that he had built i'm not sure he's got to leave and he's got to leave secretary bailey behind basically he's but got to change himself again possibly i don't think it really matters i think that max has been dead to him for a really long time our final transition yeah back to 1933 mm-hmm. and we see noodles entering the opium den mm-hmm. and he's taken over to a bed by one of the attendants gets comfortable takes his shoes off gets comfortable gets lays down the attendant him. packs him up a fatty and he sparks sparks, sparks up the bowl up. takes Stares a huge hit rolls over looks into the camera and just smiles i don't even know what and the credits means. roll I noted in the very beginning of the movie, opium-induced dream question mark. There's a lot of speculation out there that the whole thing that happens after the opium den, chronologically, is just a dream. That he's dreaming. He's dreaming about getting away, and I don't know why it would be a dream. I don't know why. But very vague ending with both the what happens to Max and the fate of Noodles. I don't like that idea. That it was a dream? That it was a dream. I think maybe it was a flashback to something that he actually enjoyed. I also don't think James Woods died. I think he just disappeared again. You can do that. Yeah. Um, back in the day when nobody there was no internet. Like. And you, could, you could disappear. No camera phones. And you, Super easy. You, know. <laughs> you could just yeah become a secretary Gosh. of commerce <laughs> i wish you know what we should watch the full i wish they'd made the two movies of three hours there's I an extended cut that. out there there's an extended cut that's close to uh sergio leone's four hour and 29 minute version 
I don't think it's 29. I think it's actually more like four hours and 12 minutes or something like that. I wonder a if there's of... a cut of the, the two three-hour movies, though. I don't know. Because he did it once. Like, wouldn't someone have it? Probably. Hey, if somebody has this, could you please release it somewhere? Maybe just private showings. Maybe up. just yeah. I would love to just watch us, it. Just um, us, maybe call Quentin. Not us. <laughs> call, call Quentin. We'll all get together and we'll watch it together. Oh yeah. Let's go through some quick trivia. There's a lot of it. It should be noted that unfortunately, the actor that plays the adult Patsy died shortly before the movie came out, before it was released. James Hayden died in November 8th, 1983. He's only 29 years old. Apparently, this was supposed to be his big breakthrough role. He was mostly just performed on stage. Six hours after receiving a standing ovation on Broadway for his acclaimed performance as a junkie in David Mamet's American Buffalo, he died from a heroin overdose. Didn't have a huge role in in this movie, but to be in a Sergio Leone movie with, you know, the likes of Robert De Niro and James Woods and stuff probably would have catapulted his career. Here's a little trivia about our, our main man. Joe Pesci originally auditioned for Max, but Sergio Leone convinced him that he wouldn't be quite right for that role. As a favor to Pesci's friend Robert De Niro, Leone told Pesci that he could pick whichever of the available roles he wanted as his own instead. He chose the part of Frankie, which was considerably larger in the original script than it is in the finished movie. Al Pacino and Jack Nicholson both turned down the role of Noodles. Whoa. Uh, it's not mentioned in the film, but Noodles' prison sentence is 12 to 13 years. When Deborah meets him at the bar shortly after he's released, she says she's counted down from 4,566 days until she could see him again. Oh. That, which really kind of right. made it clear like that she actually did care about him. Mm -hmm. John Belushi was offered the role of Max, but he died before auditions began. The original script of the film was completed in October 1981 and was 317 pages. Usually a, a minute per page. We need to even read critics' reviews. No. I mean, this, this movie pops up on best of lists all the time. Yes, this movie um, is great. Let's skip the reviews. I think we can skip reviews. We've been rating it and then looking at the ratings from We've IMDb? been looking at the ratings first. Okay, so let's just look at the ratings. Okay, so I'm going to go... It's not going to sway me either way. Tomato Meter yep. is 87% fresh. Mm. And then the audience score is 93%. Yes. I got an wow, wow, wow. 8.3 on IMDb, so an 83%, basically. Hey. And then we will we'll rate this bitch. We're going to rate this bitch. What are we going to rate this? I super, super enjoyed this movie. I was shocked. I would see myself watching it again. Even. I'm going to say 12 out of 12. You're going to give it a 12 out of 12? It's ballsy. It's super ballsy. I'm not sure. This isn't even my type of movie. And my it's dad not. would love this movie. I'm oh, sure he's seen it. Text him. Yeah. This is a Joe Pesci based podcast. Yes. Where we've used Mr. Pesci to introduce us to these films. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, he was hardly in this one. Mm -hmm. That being said, we're rating the movie based on the movie itself. Yes. And 
We've got a lot more movies ahead of us. We've only watched three now, and we've got nine more weeks to go. But I'm I'm hard pressed to to see if there's anything that's going to top today. Uh, I'm also going to give it a twelve. <gasps> yeah, twelve out of twelve. Babe. Twenty-four. We've got. This is. Let's here. see if anything can beat this because this Shelley. was a great movie. It had our attention the entire time. Which is a very long time, including ads. We watched it with ads. I don't know if we mentioned that. I will say this. Is you watch a movie as long as Once Upon a Time in America on a streaming platform like Plex, where they show ads, once you get about two hours in, they run out of ads to show you, and they just let you watch the rest of the movie without ads. Because that's what happened to us. That is what happened to us. I don't know if that was supposed to happen, I but it did. They, they probably <laughs> only have ads like, scheduled for two hours, and then after two hours, it just stopped Anyway, we loved it. Thank you, Plex. Yeah. Thanks Thank for... Because otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to watch it. Yeah, we would have been stuck. Who knew? You're, you're a Sergio Leone fan. I didn't know that. You like Italian guys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> we're dragging on this already long, long AF podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us for probably what's going to be the longest episode, I would mm -hmm. hope. If you listen to us on a podcasting platform, it really helps us out a lot. If you use whatever protocol that they have there to follow, rate, review. Click all the buttons. Click all the buttons that Just make us look us good. Or subscribe. If you felt somehow. like we were good. If you watched us on YouTube, uh, I'm sorry you had to stare at us for this long. Sorry. But if you liked it, go ahead and subscribe and, and also like. smash the like button. Please. Leave a comment too, because we'd like to hear from you. Yes, and if you know where to find the full cut or even the extended version, hit us up with that too. Yep, I would love it. You can find us on YouTube at Stellar Alignment Podcasts, on Instagram at Stellar Alignment Podcasts. We do have a Facebook. I have done nothing on there, but it's also <laughs> at Stellar Alignment Podcasts. And we're also on Twitter. Did you know that? What? Yeah, I started Twitter. What do we have to uh, say? Also, barely doing anything on there yet, but. This is a lot of work for two people, so bear with us. Uh, hope you liked it, and we will see you next week, hopefully, next for week. Half Nelson. Ooh, is that a comedy? Um, I think it's going to be lighter, but it's definitely a lot more pesky. Good. There's another one that neither of us have seen. Good. Nice. Okay. We're going to go now. Good night. See ya. Okay, bye. They're doing pretty good for themselves. They are dressed to the T's. Like, they are... That's not a saying. Oh. They are dressed to the nines. Just... <laughs> okay, that's so. They are dressed to the nines. That's not a saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> You son of a bitch! <laughs>